So we've told a lot of stories up here, some of them maybe historical and some of them a little bit spurious. Um, I'm not sure our angel friends and Joseph and Mary uh, are, are close to the truth, but surely funny. I'd like to just introduce one more to you if I could. Uh, imagine for a moment um, that um, there are three people and, and they wake up uh, and they're on a spaceship. They have no idea how they got there. They just come into this thing, and they're on a spaceship, and they wake up. And one guy is named Doc, and, and he truly is a doctor. He's, uh, he's kind of a thinker. He's um, real focused on you know, the science of things in life and how things work and stuff. And another one's called Hope, and uh, she's an optimist, uh, just like her name sort of says. And, and she looks out into the stars in the sky, and, and she just hopes that that there's some meaning or reason why they've woken up on this spaceship. And then there's this third person named Sasha, and she's, she's just a skeptic. I mean, she's always asking why and how did we get here and what does this work? And, and, and Doc's answers are, are, are basically sort of, um, well, it, it, it seems that we're here on purpose because um, there's air to breathe and there's food to eat and uh, there's even a bathroom to go to and... Um, and, and it seems like someone designed this spaceship that we're here on, uh, and, and it, it, it has a, a distinct sense of purpose. And, of course, Hope looks out in the stars, and she's just hopeful. She's just an incurable optimist. Uh, she's, she's never met a negative idea in her life, and so she's just hoping that, that things will happen. And, but yet Sasha is just like, no, um, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. And then all of a sudden, uh, someone interrupts their world by coming into this spaceship, docks on the spaceship, and cause a rumble, and, and, uh, and, and you hear this, this mechanical-type stuff happening, and then this, this hatch opens up, and someone steps through. And it's like, well, who the heck are you? This guy says, well, I'm your rescuer. I'm here from a, another world to, to rescue you. Now, I could go on and on with this thing, but maybe, just maybe, you might see a little bit of connection to the story that happens this time of year with Jesus because he shows up on this thing we called Earth as, as the rescuer. And, and there are those of us, some of us, who are just eternal optimists, and, you know, we, we've never had a weekend. We only have strong ends. You know, we just, and everything's positive, and we're just trying to, you know, we spin life, but yet life spins a lot of crap at us. Life is tough, and you look at this world, and it's really messed up, and if we take a, a deep breath and a settled moment uh, uh, apart from our screens and our music and, and our TV and those other things, and we look inside ourselves, we, we see that there's an unsettledness there, and then we have this doc over here who's who's focused on looking at how things are designed. And he says, look, um, there's a design here, and so it, it, it argues, it begs for a designer. There's architecture here, and it begs for an architect. This doesn't seem like it can just happen. You see, when Jesus comes into this world... He comes in as a baby. Obviously, we see this whole thing, manger. We've got all kinds of, you've probably got 
mangers and creches at home and all kinds of things. And, and you've got probably three wise men at home. And I know you're just dying to get out of here to go to the store and buy Larry, the fourth wise man. Um, you know, it, it's like we, we have all of these things. And yet the story of, of this rescuer coming uh, comes way back in the very beginning of the Bible. It's a book called Isaiah. It's a guy by the name of Isaiah. And, um, you know, if you know much about Isaiah's life, um, uh, he, he writes a really long book. He must have been a, a talker because God used him to write a book that has 66 chapters in it. And the first 39 are, are just really, really bad. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're just, I mean, it's, it's, it's some, it just groan after groan after groan of judgment and all kinds of, and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I want to get out of this. And then the last 27, he finally climbs out of that pit of despair and God begins to, to tell a story through him of, of, of things that will happen. It's good. But buried in that darkness of the first 39 chapters is some hope. In chapter 9, he's talking to the people of Israel, and he says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The passion of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. See, when Jesus enters the world, he comes in not just as a baby, but he comes in as God. He, he comes in as the everlasting Father. I, I don't quite understand it. Sometimes I can't get my own head around it. But, but Jesus didn't come to be a, a baby in a, a little manger scene. He, he came to be the creator, the designer, the architect. He came to help us figure out what it looks like to live in this world and the world beyond. You know, every year Christmas comes around. Um, it, it's amazing. I got narked out a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week or something. Uh, Justin asked people to raise their hands uh, who started playing Christmas music. And he started going back, you know, December 1st and Thanksgiving or pre-Thanksgiving. And I, I, I all the way back to November 1st. I mean, when 102 begins playing Christmas music all the time, that's when I start playing Christmas music because I love, I love the, the nostalgic feelings that Christmas give me. But, but sometimes, sometimes Christmas is, is like, you know, have you ever ridden a bus? You ever, you ever gotten on city buses before? Every time I go to a city, I always try to use public transportation just because it's so much fun to understand the culture. I used to ride, when I was in graduate theology school, I used to ride a bus to and from class, and, and I always knew that there's a bus schedule. 
And if I was there at the right time, I could get on the bus. And there were numerous times when I would get caught talking over coffee, arguing about some uh, arcane theological point, and I would get to the bus stop late, and I would see the bus pulling away. And I knew that there was a bus stop about 500 yards up there. And I thought that I had Olympic speed in my legs, and so I would begin running with my briefcase and you know, we had to wear a coat and tie to school. That was how old, that's how long ago this was. And, and I would take off running trying to catch it. But invariably, before I could get on, get to the bus, the four or five people that were waiting would get on the bus and the bus would take off. And I knew that it would stop another 500 yards. And so like a fool, I would keep running, thinking I could catch it, hoping that there would be hundreds of people trying to get on the bus. It would take forever so I could catch up to it. And I never could. And sometimes that, that idea is, is a lot for me like Christmas. We're, we're, we're trying to catch something. We're trying to get a hold of something. And it just won't stay caught. And, and it just might be that we're trying to catch the wrong thing. And it just might be that Christmas is for us is about a feeling. It's about a, a nostalgic experience. It's about... Um, a religious time when in fact Christmas for God was about you. It was about me. It was about connecting with that designer. It was about connecting with that creator. It was about connecting with the architect. It was about changing our relationship with the designer and the architect. It was about coming to understand that, yes, he was the everlasting God. He was the strong God. But in that number of titles that he's given in Isaiah 9, it says he's the everlasting Father. And Christmas for God is about coaxing you into being his child. Coaxing you to not know him as creator, not know him as designer, not know him as architect, but to know him as father. To know that what he says matters most. To know that he came not just to be a part of your world, he came to order your world. He came to show you what it's like to live in his family and to find the meaning that you were made to feel. Not the meaning of tinsels and lights and ornaments and presents and beautiful songs. But a meaning that goes to the depths of our soul. A meaning that, that transforms us significantly. And my hope for you is that this next year, 2024, I mean... I don't know about you, but I didn't know I'd be alive in 2024. You know, I mean, that's, that's like, it's not 19, it's not, you know, 2010, it's 20, 20, 2024. In 2024, I will enter my eighth decade on this planet. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But with all that I have, with all that I am, with all that I know, with all that I understand, 
I believe that Jesus gives us meaning to the depths of our souls. I believe it like I believe in air, like I need air to breathe. And my hope for you is that this year that you'll grow in that understanding. That maybe for some of us, it's time to stop thinking of God as creator and architect and to ponder what it means for him to be our father. Maybe for some of us, it means coming to grips with the fact that our own earthly father stands in the way of us knowing God as father. Because we had such a poor example. And we haven't wrestled that to the ground. And so we have a, we have a blockage. Our spiritual life needs help because of that. But my prayer for this next year, for, for, for me and for you, is that that meaning that Isaiah gives us, that little kernel of hope found in the middle of all of that darkness in the first 39 chapters, in chapter 9 of Isaiah, that we will discover what it means to know God as Father. Would you uh, pray with me? Father, we're thankful that we can use that term. You left heaven and came to earth. You came in human form. You, you put on the clothes uh, that, that we know, the flesh that we know. You know what our life is like. And you lived and you died. A gruesome death, but yet a death that paid for our entrance into your family. Father, may we, may we see 2024 as, as a time to embrace that moment in history that Jesus loved me so much that he died in my place. May we, uh, may we understand these uh, mangers and creches and little scenes with figurines as, as more than just a a time of, of, of great sentimentalism. But may we be impacted with the, the genuineness of the story. Father, we all want your kingdom, that place of peace and that place of love and that place of, of, of a real sense of purpose, but we can't have the kingdom without the king. And so may this year be a time when we understand that that baby in the manger came to be the king of our life. He came for us to understand that what you say matters most. Not what I feel, not what I think, or not what I want to do. Father, thank you for demonstrating in human history the opportunity that we have to be your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.